When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. guys this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined from across the pond with one of the ladies of london really just one of really the best of the ladies of london the one and only miss adela king hi guys and thank you so much david for having disco and i to join you today and um we're super excited to chat now listen i just want to warn you guys that i'm being sort of locked down like we all have so i've gone corona crazy so whatever comes out of my mouth today do not judge me <laughs> we like when you just say everything that you would like to say if you want to have you know whatever you want now yes. disco what type of dog is disco disky is a teacup uh, Yorkshire Terrier. So I've had him since he was eight weeks old and he's now 12 and he's my little baby. He's so he's cute. You're thinking, okay, try and lie down, Disky. He's going to get very excited otherwise. So now right. you're going yes. crazy from Corona. Well, um, I've just been doing these Insta stories and I love doing them. Actually, I was in really two minds at the beginning because I love to take the piss out of myself and I love people taking the piss out of me. You know, I, my life is just one big. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a shit show, but it's been very colourful, okay? So I, 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 I get through life with laughter. That is the only way I can get through life. And usually it's just at my expense, which I'm totally happy with, right? If anyone sees my Insta stories, they're just like, you're batshit, Adela, but, you know, we love it. Anyway, so at the beginning of the coronavirus, when we went into lockdown, um, I had actually been in kind of lockdown for three months before that because... Um, a lot of people don't know, but I wasn't really on Instagram because I was a full-time carer for an 81-year-old. Now, I never, with age to me, just doesn't matter. You know, we had such amazing banter and she was my best friend's mum, right? So I became a full-time carer, okay? No one can believe it, me. I mean, and, you know, we went through some horrendous times, but we made it really funny. I mean, I had to make it funny. And we got through it. So for three months, I was doing that. And then because she's 81, 
I had to, I wasn't allowed to be around her, you know. And mm. following that, I moved back home. Now, I live near a hospital and I got the coronavirus. And firstly, I would really, really like to say, actually, you know, obviously this is a really, really difficult time for everybody. And I have been getting through it with humour. Um, but I did have the coronavirus. And I also want to say that anybody who has been affected by the coronavirus or lost loved ones, I really send you so much healing for your loss and your pain. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just, there are no words, but I need to acknowledge that first because, um, so that is how I dealt with her illness. It was hospital, you know, it was horrible. We were in hospital every day, rushed to a and &E. I mean, everything, we went through everything. So we got, I got through it just by making her laugh. So then I came back home and I lived near a hospital and I also got the corona. It was mild, but it was, you know, and literally all I could hear was helicopters, ambulances, you know, it was just so awful and reading the news every day. And, you know, and I was suffering from it, from it as well. So I would cry every single day. So then someone on, um, one of my followers said, Adela, just stop reading the news. This is really, really bad for you. So, and then put your earphones in. So for two weeks, I did that. I just slept with my earphones in, the music blaring, even though my head was about to explode. And, you know, it worked. And then I came out kind of the other side of the corona. And I started going about on Insta and making these stories about how I take the piss out of myself and, you know, and I then felt really, really guilty, you know, because there are so many facets to my character. I've got so much empathy. And then I take the piss out of myself. And then I don't know if that's the right thing to do. But then I thought, you know what? This is how I got through it with my 81-year-old girlfriend, who I love dearly. And, and, you know, so many people were encouraging me to do it. Thank you so much for bringing so much light into our day. We love your stories. You know, it just bright. We look forward to them. So that's what I've just been doing. I've just been just just making, you know, just shit up. <laughs> okay, and I have so much to say already. Now, first of all, do you always have this much energy? That's uh, people say the same thing to me. But I mean, do you have this much energy? And if I, I, if I were eighty one, I would want you there. I mean, you're you're like a good time. <laughs> She, I mean, she was so thankful, but you know, we got each other. We completely got each other. We were both batshit, but crazy. But the thing is, she had an excuse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> She's one and not well. Um, I have a lot of energy and enthusiasm around people. I like to be uplifting. I like to, I get, I get, I get a lot of energy from being around people. But as soon as I'm home, I'm here with Disco and, you know, we just kind of like, we go into our little cave and we, we kind of like heal. We have some healing time and some downtime. And I don't really like picking up the phone when I'm at home. I mean, I do obviously now, but, you know, everywhere I walk, it's like, you know, I know everyone in my, you know, street and, you know, I know everyone, you know, from the news agent to the dry cleaner to like everybody, you know, and, and it's really lovely, you know, even in my supermarket, I know all the, like, the cashiers and stuff. So it's, um, but you know, I think anyone that always is, you can't always be up, can you? You need to like, just, just have that time to kind of like regroup and like, you know, come back out with it. So, yeah. you know, you know, 
I don't go out that much at night. It doesn't really interest me because, you know, I'm not looking for a boyfriend. I'm not looking for, I don't drink, you know. So, you know, the daytime is the best time for me. Mornings, lunches, everything, you know, you have me, you have all of me. And then at home, it's Netflix and chill with Disky. That's nice. So you're alone during Corona. You're home with... Yes, disco. Yes. That's nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, you know, lovely, you know. And it's amazing what's happened during this um, time, with, you know, lockdown. It's amazing how many people have come out from your past, you know, come back, come out of your past and just, you know, it's kind of mind-blowing and connecting with them and, yeah. um, you know, reconnecting. I mean, some of them are a bit like, well, I don't really want to be reminded of that. But, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But um, no, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's really, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, and just, just having that time to kind of like really reflect on your life and, you know, what was important before Corona and what is going to be important now to you. And, you know, I've got to this stage where I had everything, you know, anything I ever wanted, it never made me happy. And so I started just like, just just making life simple you know just like making my life simpler you know i noticed that the more things that i had you know things were stolen from me or i'd lose them and you know at the end of the day it means nothing we've got so many lives being lost and everything you know so material things don't interest me anymore i'm not you know into that i'm a jeans and tea girl i'm very down to earth and i just like connecting with people that that makes me the happiest I agree. I mean, I love connecting with people. So like, I mean, at first, did you go through a transition? Because like, I'm a very social person. I mean, other than working, I've thrown myself into work and I get to speak to people like you. You know, like now I'm used to it. Like I'm, I'm fine being alone. But like in the first week or two, I was like, oh my God, like I'm so social. Like where are the people? Because I also love connecting with people. Well, you know what? Because I mean, I was obviously in lockdown for three months before. i I've always loved my own company. I mean, I'm nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just done like the three-day juicing thing, which I've never done before in my entire life. And obviously, you know, the beast, which is Jack's the juicer, has, um, I mean, literally ruined me. Absolutely. I've never done a juice fast in my life. And literally, I could make it from the bed to the wall, and then I'd literally collapse down and crawl. I mean, it was that bad. Wow. So... Um, I just sort of like entertain myself, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, and I'm still working. I'm still working with my brand and lots of new brands have come along, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm just, love. I mean, I love it. I'm having a great time. The wait is over. That's right. A season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Where in London do you live? Like, are you like right in the center? And I hear birds chirping. Am I hearing this? I've got the window, but it's really hot, you know? I mean, they sound great. 
Yeah, do you want me to shut the window? No, you're fine. It's just, you know, like in New York, you don't hear birds in Chelsea, New York City. Yeah, well, I live in Chelsea, and I mean, obviously the birds aren't on lockdown, so they're having the time of their life. Seriously? Yeah. So you live in Chelsea. Are, are you originally from, like, right in the center of London? No, 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 no. Um, well, funny enough, you see, the thing is, is everybody... I, I, I am British, but I was born in Costa Rica. Really? Then, yeah, my sister and brother. My brother was born in Michigan. My sister was born in Fort Lauderdale. And then we moved to Singapore. So I grew up in Singapore. And then we moved to Hong Kong. And then my dad moved to Russia for a job, and we all went to boarding school. But my mum and dad just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, which is insane, as I've never made it past like two-year mark with any of my husbands. Joint, I've never made it past two years with no husbands, so (laughs) I totally get it. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, actually, my last husband I was with for five years, the most recent one, but I think we were only married for two. Um, I get it. Yeah, so... um, no, I mean, the, the, yeah, like I said, the corona has been really fascinating because, you know, talking about husbands, I, I mean, this is a, this is a lovely story and, and, um, and quite a controversial one. But, yes. um, so the other day, out of the blue, you know, I got someone slide in my DMs going, um, Adela, I'd really like to speak to you. Um, could, do you have five minutes? So I clicked on their, like, um, instant. I'm like, who Oh, is this? Like, why do you need five minutes of my time? Anyway, it turns out it was my second husband. And no one knows about that. Uh, no one, I never really talked about it before. How many husbands did you have altogether? Well, I've had more than one and less than five. Okay. <laughs> I've had three. But okay. the, second one, the second one was annulled. So it really doesn't, it doesn't count, actually. But anyway, um... You know, like I, I was saying before, I don't discriminate between age. As if I've got a connection with someone and I have a love for someone, that is all I need. It feeds my soul. And so I never think about age. So um, so I was, I'd met, um, when I went to rehab, when I was like 33, I met a 19-year-old who literally, you know, Oh, sorry. Hold on one second. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a phone call. Can you see me now? Yes. Um, I know the WhatsApps are coming through. Adela, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, so uh, I met a 19-year-old and we were like, it was like being back at boarding school. We were like children, like running around, like having a laugh. And I needed that so badly. When you're in so much pain and he was in so much pain, it literally, we were just so juvenile. And my mum's always said to me, Adela, you're so immature. Anyone younger than you is probably much more mature. So you just meet in the middle. Um, I say that about myself all the fucking time. People are like, why do you always date younger guys? I try to explain this. I'm like, there are younger people who are mature. And I, I act like I'm four years old. So you meet, I literally say that all the time. You like meet in the middle. It totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, so we didn't date when he was 19, don't get me wrong. So anyway, we lost touch after two years. Uh, We lost touch for two years. And then out of the blue came a text and um, we got hold of me on Facebook. That's right. So he he was like, oh, you know, how are you doing? You know, I really like to meet up, whatever. And I just sent him this text saying, soon, baby, soon. Like, you know, just a thingy back. 
Anyway, we met up and we just, we, again, just, he just brought so much energy into my life and it was such a dark time. And we just laughed and laughed and laughed. So we did start seeing each other. Anyway, on his 21st birthday, he'd arranged for us to go to Las Vegas. And so we went to Vegas, you know, like, I, I'm just, you know, I'm up for anything. And I'm more spontaneous. I'm so spontaneous. And I don't always play the tape through. I do now. I didn't then. Anyway, so we went to Vegas and he was like, please marry me. You've got to marry me. Please, 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 please marry me. Please marry me. And so I was like, yeah, bucket list. Yeah, definitely. I'm up for that. I was 35. He was 21. Anyway, so as soon as he turned 21, we went and we went and got married, right? I was in literally like a cowboy shirt, my Converse and jeans. It was the best wedding I've ever had. It was so much fun, right? I mean, I can't tell you. The only thing about getting married in Vegas, and I will warn you guys, okay, it costs $199 to get married, $10 for the marriage license, and two grand to get an old. I was absolutely shocked. Anyway, wow. Well, I mean, did you get an old right away? Two months later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, it was amazing. Amazing. You know, he literally did inject so much energy into my life. Anyway, so, but <laughs> there's another part of this story, which is on that day, which was January the 7th, my ex-boyfriend had, had like given me a date to say yes or no whether I was going to marry him. On that day, I ended up marrying the 21 year old. So, I mean, it's been a bit complicated in my life, but like I say, it's colorful and, you know. And you, and you never told anyone this before? I, you know, my family know, you know, a couple of my best friends, but you know, <laughs> it was, it, it, at the time, you know, there was no Heidi Klum or Kate Beckinsale. It really wasn't like, it was frowned upon. I mean, although, you know, I might have set a trend for it, Madonna wasn't coming out dating the 21 year old and there was I getting married to one. So, so um, <laughs> now Madonna's following in your footsteps as is Kate Beckinsale. As is Heidi Klum. I mean, you know, so I'm all for it. It's like brilliant. Did you guys anyway, live together after this marriage before yeah, it was we annulled? Yeah, we lived together beforehand. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I moved in straight away. And this so, was in London or this was in the States? In London. In London. So um, anyway, so after that, after, the, after we got it annulled, um, I didn't speak to him or hear from him for 11 years. I mean, nothing. Nothing. And two days ago he comes up in my um, DM. So I said, yeah, what's up, babe? And so he called me and he just said, basically, you know, like I said, this time is like a time for reflection and, you know, everybody is like thinking about things. And he said, you know, you were the best thing that ever happened to me. I've never had so much fun in my life. You know, he like said, sorry for all the things that maybe someone, I said, listen, you were 21, you know, you weren't, yeah. you, you were one. It's like, you know, I said, I hold nothing, you know, you might have exaggerated a few things. Um, but I said, you know what, I had a great time and I really needed you at that time. And you did inject a lot of light into a really, really horrendous time in my life. And he just said, you know, Adela, I've always loved you and I still love you. And, um, you know, he then went on to do, he, he's a personal trainer now. And I did a personal training course, one that Simon did. You know, love Simon. We love Simon, and um, he said he went on to do that uh, personal training course, 
and um and he has now got a full sleeve of taps <laughs> because when we were in vegas we went to a synagogue right because the first thing i said to him was see uh, soon baby soon so after we got married he wanted that tattooed on his um arm in hebrew i mean thank god it wasn't a hangover situation because otherwise it would have been on his face and so we went to a synagogue, we found a synagogue, and they translated it into Hebrew, and, and it's stamped on his arm. You only married two months, I mean, honestly. Anyway, now he's got a whole sleeve. So it was really sweet. I just, you know, I never expected that. I'd never heard anything about him. And it was just a, like a really, just like a, a beautiful thing, you know? So now why, now that he reached out to you, are you going to keep in touch? Oh, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I did call him beforehand to say, look, you know, I am going to come out, you know, because he's in, he's sober as well. So, um, you know, I did call him and say, look, you know, I am going to come out with this. Is that okay? And he said, absolutely. Just don't make me look like a dick. <laughs> he's like, just say good things when you go on David's podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, I, I see nothing wrong with a full sleeve of arm tattoos or a personal <laughs> trainer. Like I'm having a picture in my mind and that sounds really nice to me. I mean, he looked really good at 21. I can't imagine what he looks like now. Um, I'm all for it. it. Yeah, I haven't dated for four years. I mean, you know, I never, I mean, I've never really dated in my life. I mean, I just went, you know, from 15 to 42. It was just, I was never single. Does he and still then, live in London? Like close to Yeah. You? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Maybe after think, quarantine. Well, I don't know. I've kind of, I, I'm still finding my feet with this whole thing. I'm really enjoying being single. You know, I literally had to find out who I was, you know, after being with, you know, just someone, you know, and it's, it's been amazing. And I absolutely love it. I do love being single. There's a lot and, to like about it, right? Well, there is. And you know what? I get the best of both worlds because all my guy friends, I adore. Door, and we have the best banter, and you know, there's none of the complications, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's just easy and fun and and light and stuff, and I don't need the headache, so oh, I'm yeah. really happy with that. I'm kind of not. I I don't hate it either. You know, it's like very <laughs> it's simple. Like yeah, I'm like totally simple. It's there's yeah. a lot there's a lot to like about it, right? I mean, it's like life is yeah. just easy, man. It is. And I literally counsel people 24 hours a day on relationships. You know, I'm the kind of person that I'll write that text to the guy. They think they're going, I mean, basically, I'm doing the texting. I'm telling them when to text. I'm telling them what to say, what to do, you know, how to, how to do. I mean, listen, you know, I mean, I'm not a relationship counselor, but I do know one or two things about it because obviously I've had quite a bit of experience. But, you know, and I just think, oh, my God, the headache of it all. And even, you know, it's such, I mean, the dating world now is gone absolutely. I mean, it's a war zone, you know, it's just. It is. Yeah, you know, all these dating apps and stuff. I'm just like, oh, it's just too much. So. And I'm like, I kind of do the same thing. Like I give, I mean, considering I'm like a dating mess, like I give the best relationship advice. Like I get, I get how it works. I give amazing advice and I'm always usually right. I just don't seem to really care about taking my own advice kind of thing. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm, like I said, I, I'd rather be on the end giving the advice than having to answer to somebody or, you know, it, I've always ended up with really controlling men 
And, you know, like mm. I always said, you know, if I wanted to be controlled, I would have come with a remote. I mean, this is ridiculous. You yeah. Know? So, you know, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. And I find like, you know, I'm kind of like you. I love my own company. I like, I like, I'm a fun person. Like dating should be fun. Sometimes I go on a date and I'm like, this is so boring. <laughs> like, this is just like, what is the point of this? Like, yeah, I'm attracted to you, but like, this is fucking boring. Oh, I'd rather just. No connection. There is no way. Yeah. You know, cat's not there. It's, there's not, that's it. It's so, you know, like before it even began, there's nothing. Yeah. So what is, so what is your main business now? Because I know you've done like Adela King Boots, like the maternity yeah. business. Like what is your main business now that you're upkeeping? Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I was, I was a carer for three months, so I was kind of out of the game, you know, like, but mostly I have, you know, amazing clients, like brands, I, I promote like beauty brands. I'm a hundred percent authentic in what I, um, you know, in what I promote on Instagram or, you know, what I, you know, what I, I just, I have to be so passionate about it for it to come through. I mean, I am a really passionate person and if I don't believe in it, I'm not gonna, you know, go for it. And I don't, you know, I've had like people come with me diet pills and promoting some skinny cafe or something. And I won't do anything like that. It's not, you know, so I have like fitness brands. Um, um, I work for, or jewelry, um, a lot of beauty, beauty clinics, makeup, um, sportswear. I've done a collaboration with Willow London for be kind phone cases, because obviously when we had that, um, there was a whole Be Kind campaign just before the corona came out. Um, and obviously because, you know, one of the most amazing women committed suicide. Um, uh, and, you know, she was loved by everybody in, in Britain. And um, it was horrendous. And it was just because she kind of like being bullied by people or the press, whatever, I don't know. Um, so I came up with these uh, collaborations to do Be Kind phone cases. So I do that. I've done, um, and now yoga mats coming out. I've done Be Kind also sweatshirts with another brand. I, you know, I've done this amazing, um, beautiful Panama hat, which I hand-painted made in Cartinia. It's, it's just like whatever comes to me that I'm passionate about, I'm there. I'll do it. You know, I mean, I want to be part of it, and I'm enthusiastic about it. That's good. And you became a model at the age of 42? Yeah, weirdly enough. Yes. yes. How did that happen? Um, it was just bizarre. I, th someone reached out to me and I thought that I was, that, I, that they wanted me to do, it was, I thought they wanted to be part of their social media side, right? So to be one of their influencers. So they made this whole like photo shoot and I was like, you know, why are we going so like, so full on with this? Why, why? It's just, you know, it's social media. You know, I finally got it. And they were like, bring all these outfits and everything. And they were saying, like, what are you talking about? We want you to model, to be a model. And I was like, what? I never, ever, you know, wanted to be a model ever, ever. And I literally hated every minute of it. I did. I hated every minute. It's just not me, you know. I like it doesn't exude your character you know it's also pushing things that maybe you just are not interested in and I couldn't I couldn't I just couldn't get the energy to and you know I don't want to sell myself to someone that I don't want to sell their stuff you know right yeah, not for me and it's a lot of just kind of doing what the other person wants and just 
you really have no say in any of it no no and that's just it just it just i can't be contained like that i get it (laughs) you seem like a much freer spirit than that so i get it yeah so so now ladies of london like let's go back to season one i know you weren't in season one but like when this show was casting like was there a like did you know what bravo was was there like a buzz around london like well, obviously i knew all of it because i knew the cast so you know i think there was a little bit of resistance about getting me on season one um i don't want to go too, into too much detail but um anyway season two came along and um you know again I wasn't asked to do it, which is fine, you know, whatever. And then season three came along and it was actually Luke Henderson. He pushed so hard for me. Like he was like, you know, and there was also, you know, just at the last, because there was 25 girls, I think that went for it. And, uh, and then like right last minute when they kind of said, you know, you've got it. Someone on the cast brought in somebody else and and was pushing really 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 hard for her to go on anyway she did go on but she was actually she didn't stay on for very long so this, this is in season three yeah in season three Who so was that? um that was kim okay and who yeah i remember her who brought her on i forgot um well uh, caroline stanbury yeah so you know i mean so listen it was it was an amazing platform you know for for me to connect with so many amazing people and i had so much shame before that about about you know not being with my children and you know it absolutely i mean it, i mean it killed me even after doing this show whatever you know it's been 6 years now and you know, yeah, that's why I do spend a lot of time on my own. I feel safer, you know, I feel safer from just, I don't want to be hurt like that again. That kind of pain is, it just rips you apart. So when I opened up about it on the show and I didn't really even think about opening up about it, suddenly when so many people came to me and said, Adela, you know, we're going through the same thing or, you know, or I had no idea that I was the only person in the world that this had happened to. And so it, that was just, ama- you know, that was amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult filming a, a reality show with your, I mean, for me, it was the easiest thing in the world because I was just me. So there was absolutely, I, you know, I couldn't, I mean, I could never be anybody else. I am just me. And so for me, it was amazing. But, you know, it, it does drive wedges, you know, in between your friendships, which is really, really sad and, and very toxic. And I wasn't drinking on the show. So, um, so I was kind of like, you know, I could see more than anybody, you know, I could, I could kind of like suss out the situations, but I was just being me, 100% authentic. I, you know, I'm, I've always been told that I've got Tourette's and honesty. It's like, and so... I mean, after the show finished, I had to go to a, it's a, it's like a healing resort in um, Thailand called Kamalaya. And I literally had healers on me every single day because I felt like my spirituality had just been like ripped to shreds. 
And so I had to go there for two weeks and just like, I mean, just just get, you know, just kind of ground. It's built on an old monastery and yeah. Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo celebrities to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who's a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues, anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and BetterHelp really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Velvet Rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. Did you watch the show before you were on it, like the first two seasons? Do you know what? I didn't. didn't. So did you know what to expect? Kind of like, this is what's going on? um, I think I watched it just before maybe, maybe we started filming. I can't remember. But I definitely didn't, because it wasn't on here, I don't think. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know what the timings were. It was on in America. Yeah, like it wasn't really a big, and that was another question. Like it wasn't like a big hit there, right? Like no one really knew what was going on. That's a lie. I did watch it because Caroline would send me, you know, because they get the scene, they get, you know, you get the um, uh, beforehand. So Caroline would send them to me. So I did actually watch them. Yes, I did. Yeah. And then, Um, yeah, go on. No, no, no. It was, yeah. So I did actually watch them. So I did, I did have an understanding of it. And I was going to say, because it wasn't really a hit, like no one really, it wasn't really on there, right? Like on TV. No, no, I mean, I think it was difficult filming in London because I don't think it's like America where you can literally film, you know, you have permission to film anywhere. You know, here going into restaurants and stuff was very, very hard to film. You had to, I mean, it was, you know, it was hard for production. Um... But, you know, I love the producers. I mean, we, I mean, you know, it was great. We had some amazing times. Did, so when you say you know the cast, like I know you knew Carolyn Stanberry before you came on. Did you know everybody else? Like, did you know the whole cast or was it really just Carolyn? No, I just, um, I knew Luke. 
Um, Sophie, I'd only, I started, you know, getting hurt to know her before, just before. I knew her ex-husband for like 20 years. Um, right. I'd never really met Soph. And, um, and before the show started filming, we all started like, hanging, you know, Julie Montague, Sophie, me. We'd all start like hanging out and Marissa. And, um, and obviously I knew Caroline anyway. We lived next door to each other in Aska in the countryside. And so we'd see a lot of each other. And we were super close. We, I mean, we were super, super, super close. And, you know, it was, you know, it was, we had an amazing relationship. It was very, very just me and her relationship. It wasn't right. like, it, was, it, it wasn't like a circle of friends. Caroline and I had a very, very separate relationship from anybody else. So um, it was just a very brutally honest you know, we would just tell each other, like, as it was. And, you know, we respected each other like that. So, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, when did you, like, how, how long did you know her? Like, did you know her I since you were... 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Is she, yeah. is she the one that kind of put you forward for the show? Or was it yeah. the opposite? No, no, no. She put me forward for the show. I think, you know, it was... Um, I think she was like weighing up, you know, whether whether or not to do it. You know, uh, I know that she did come to me and say, you know, I wasn't sure whether, you know, I wanted you on the show or, you know, whether you should, you know, she did, she was very honest about that. Um, so I think, you know, anyway, listen, I appreciate honesty. I can deal with anything as long as it's the truth. Um, you know, so yeah, it is what it is. But I mean, the producers want to be honest. So, why do you think she had like second, you know, thoughts? And did she bring this other person on, like you mentioned at the last minute, because yeah. she maybe changed her mind about having you on it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just at the last minute, she, um, you know, she was really pushing for Kim to be on it, and not me. But you know, I think because we have such brutal honesty and obviously as you can see uh, anyone that's watched it you know in the scene where i that's exactly how i would have talked to her you know you're being spoiled caroline but she would have taken that like on the chin like you know before you know absolutely not 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 reacted like that at all at all she would have, that would have been nothing compared to what we used to say to each other you know that would just be me just like saying caroline you're being spoiled and she would have been like yeah you're right you know or yeah, but not like ever. That that reaction was really, really, really shocking to me. I mean, I think you can see it on my face. It was like, you know, I I never expected that, ever. Um, and so that kind of like hurt our friendship. You know, that was that was obviously not you know not great. And I mean, you can see her telling me so many home truths in that thing, or what she thought was home truths, and they're brutal. But you know, it's. Um, that's that's what it was I mean you know we always had a relationship like that and so I just didn't expect that reaction at all do you think she reacted that way you know what you said wasn't what you were used to like because of the cameras like she was playing it up for the dramatic effect for TV I just think maybe no one had said that to her on the show or just pulled her up on something I mean you know like I said we had a very unique relationship and you know, Caroline's a very, 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 you know, strong girl and tough girl. And, you know, she puts on, you know, but she's also very sensitive and, you know, sweet and gorgeous and just a beautiful person. And, 
you know, on that, 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 that she just, you know, I think it was just that way. And she was going through a lot at the time, a lot of shit. So, you know, I, you know, I did feel bad, but I didn't, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that reaction at all. And, um, you know, it's, you know, that's the sad thing about reality TV. You know, you do struggle with your friendships afterwards and, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not, you know, it's not the best thing for, for yeah. holding on to. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's ruined a lot of friendships, marriages, you know, who yeah. knows whether they would have been in this place regardless, but I thir- I think it certainly expedites it. Like, why do you think, why do you think at the last minute she tried to push Kim and like, didn't want you on the show? Was it like, I'm afraid of Adela stealing my spotlight? Like, what was her hesitation in the final hour of like, wait, I don't want you on my show? Well, probably just because of that, because of my directness with her. Maybe, maybe because, you know, I presume it's because of that, because, you know, I would, you know, I would probably point out things that, you know, that no one else had the guts to do, you know. Um, But that was, that was how I knew, you know, that was what I knew. That's all I knew. And we used to laugh about it and love it. And, you know, Listen, I always have a place in my heart for Caroline. I really do. And um, she was going through a horrendous time, at the, you know, at the time. And, you know, everything was just falling around, you know, apart around her. And I think it just came out sideways, you know. What what was going on? What was the horrible time? Like the beginning well, of the end of her marriage or nothing to do with that? No, 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 no. That was, no, that was only recently. Right. Um, um, no, just like she, she, you know, the business, she lost the business at the time, you know, there was a lot of stress around that. And then, um, she wanted to move to Dubai because she just wanted to get out of here. Um, I think there was something else and I can't remember what it was. I mean, those are two major life changes. Major. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it is, you know, I, I totally kind of, I totally got it. Yeah. And like, to your point, there was this kind of, I don't know if fear is the right word, but right. Like the other girls just wouldn't kind of go there with her. You know, you had this natural friendship for 20 years where you're like, this is how I speak to you all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I, I didn't have any clue that that was, you know, I didn't, I just, I had no idea that that wasn't how, how she, you know, she, anyway, like she would react. But yeah, I do. I do think that, but there was a fear there of Caroline, you know, she's got a sharp tongue and, you know, she, you know, and she kind of, you know, she also, you know, was fantastic on the show. I mean, you know, it was great TV, wasn't it? So, um, I, like I said, look, everybody's different. I just had a different relationship with her. So, yeah. No, and well, the thing about her is also, I, I say, I think Lisa Vanderpump, I don't know if you know who she is. She's like one of the of Beverly Hills. Okay, I mean, she's, she's from London. The yeah. two of them, to me, make it look so easy. Like Lisa and Caroline are like, just always in that looking good, the house is good. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm more like, today I'm a total fucking mess. Like, I, mean, I just can't. I mean, I'm just not like that. It is just, you just take me as I come. Just just take me as I am. It's just like warts and all. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not striving for perfection in any way, shape or form. I mean, 
I mean, David, I've got to thank you. This is the first time I've worn a bra and makeup in two months. I, mean, I was going to say, when you, when, you, when you told me you were fixing yourself up for me, I was like, oh my God, honey, I'm going to be very casual. So... <laughs> Well, you look fantastic. You I look mean, great too. I literally, I mean, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm exactly like you. I'm not, you know, it's just, I don't mind if my, you know, if Disco or anyone's dog comes and jumping on the, my sofas or anything like that. I've got no, I, I don't like anything formal. I hate a guy pulling a chair out for me. I am just so informal and just like, you know, just live and have a laugh. Yeah. I mean, you know, some days I pull it together and I look great, you know, but then other days, like yeah. Caroline, I feel like she's, it's, she's like Lisa Vanderpop. I mean, it just looks so easy. Like the jeans are perfect. The shirt is so crisp and, and yes. I'm like every day, like how, and it doesn't look like you're making any effort. So I, I just don't get it. No, I mean, kudos, absolute kudos to them both. Seriously. It's, yeah. It's just, I'm just, I'm very raw and, and just like, you know, that, you know, yeah, I'm like you. I can absolutely pull it out of the bag. I've got some amazing, beautiful clothes. But, you know, if you see me at home, I'm literally just in, you know, just in a T-shirt and my, you know, leggings, you yeah. know, just I'm taking disco for a walk and I'm taking a little monkey. Was that, so was that really like the end of your friendship? Like ever since you kind of called her spoiled at that dinner? I mean, I know then, like, there was Sophie's, like, you went to Sophie's, like, I guess, son's birthday, and, like, Caroline wasn't there. Like, did you guys, was that really the beginning of the end of your friendship? Think, yeah, definitely the beginning of the end. But, I mean, you know, listen, you know, we, we text maybe, like, once a month or whatever. I mean, really, really infrequently. Um, but there's no animosity there. It's just, it's just, it isn't what it was. And, yeah. you know. You know, I texted when I found out about her, you know, getting divorced from Jem. And, you know, I was really sad about that because I did love them together. Um, so she'll always have a place in my heart, you know. Were you shocked? I mean, that she was getting a divorce? Um, was I shocked? Well, I, because I, you know, I haven't seen her for like so um, long or spoken to her. I was kind of shocked. Yeah, I was. I was shocked. Um, because I thought they'd found this beautiful new life in Dubai and she seemed so happy. Um, so yeah, it did come as a bit of a shock. Yeah. I mean, like from a viewer's point of view, I mean, I don't know her. It's just, I was like, oh, wow. This is kind yeah. of shocking. Do, yeah. do you keep in touch with any of the other women? Like, were you even close to any of the other women? Like, I know you mentioned Sophie. Yeah. I mean, Sophie and I were like absolutely glued together um, for you know, a few years after the show. And um, in the last couple of years, we've kind of like gone our separate ways. Um, that was more to do with um, me um, than her. I, I, I'm just a very kind of, it's just, I just needed time to kind of like heal and stuff. And um, a few people had come to me and, and said things and, uh, you know, they were really good friends of mine and it really hurt, really, really hurt. And, and, you know, I've spoken to Sophie recently about it and I was like, listen, you know, I never explained why I walked away from the friendship. I said, I always loved you. I, you know, I, I still love you to death. Um, but, you know, I just, I just kept, 
you know, these people were just putting stuff in, you know, in my mind and in my head. And, and because I've been burnt so many times, you know, especially with my children, I, I do have to walk away from situations that make me unhappy or things that I literally can't, I just can't handle it. I literally just have to walk away. And now I feel in, you know, a much better situation. Now that I've talked to her about it, hopefully we can repair that relationship, but just like, you know, just slowly, slowly, and we're going to see each other after lockdown and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of people I've come out of my life this year. I mean, well, this year, no, last year. Um, because, you know, I would actually turn around and say, you just don't make me happy. You make me miserable. Right. And that's not, that's not, that's not, you know, like relationships or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's friendships. Totally. And, and I felt like I was, had the life sucked out of me and the energy sucked out of me and all my ideas and all my, you know, like just enthusiasm for their life and wanting them to do so well. And, and then sort of not getting it in return. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I've been there where you're like, look, you're not a bad person. I wish yeah. you the best of luck in life. You're just not for me as a friend. And this is just draining and I just need to walk away. But I wish yeah. you the best. Exactly. And I love you to bits. But, you know, like I said, I'd love to repair my um, relationship with Sophie because we were so close. Um you know, but I, I just, I find really, you know, that in my life, the friends I've had in my life for like 25 to 35 years have been the ones that have stuck by me through everything that, you know, when I was going through the corona, they were there. They were dropping off so much food. They were anything you needed. I mean, they were there and they're always there and they've always been there. And I, they are ride or die. And you know, I think it's a pretty amazing thing to, um, I feel very, very, very blessed to have that. And they're the people I trust most. They will never hurt me. Right. You know? And um, and especially like something like Corona, you kind of find out who your friends are. You're like, well, you haven't fucking called me in two and a half months. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I, I let go of things like that. I don't put yeah. any on anybody, you know, because I find that you can just pick up where you left off and we're all very busy and stuff like that. So that for me isn't, you know, I'm not one of those people that, you know, someone cancels on me, I'm going to get upset. I just go with the flow. I literally right. don't, you know, I've been through way too much in my life to care about these little things. And, and I just let people live and just, yeah, and do what they want to do, make them happy, whatever makes them happy. And with Sophie, it was like what people were coming to you and saying like, this was said, that was said. No, 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 no. It wasn't anything that was said. It was more, well... Yeah, it was just a few people just like, um, you know, they were just saying, I don't think she's the right person for you, Adela, you know. Um, and and that was really hard. It really affected me badly. I mean, I literally, you know, I'm very, very sensitive to things like that. And for three people to come and do it, and they were really close to me, these three people, and I never, ever, ever noticed it. And but. In her defense, I should have gone and talked to her about it then. But my my default is I just got to run and hide. You know, I can't deal with it. It's like, I, I can't deal with the pain. I just need to walk away. And that was really, really stupid because Sophie and I were incredibly close. And my God, I love that girl. She is so funny. And, um, you know, we just had an amazing relationship. But time heals everything for me. So, yeah. 
you know, maybe we just needed a break and just find our footing again. And now you guys will see each other after quarantine, so that's great. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the others? Like, do you keep in touch with, like, Carolyn Fleming, like, Julie Montagu? Well, Caroline's um, left. Uh, Julie, I, um, uh, we were texting the other day, but very, very rarely. Marissa's obviously in America, but, you know, I would still consider her just a wonderful friend. I mean, she is just the heart of gold. Yeah, um, she's nice. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not like they're not, we're not in each other's world. Um, you know, I have a really, really, really tight circle and I keep it like that, you know, um, and it's not like, I mean, if Marissa was in London, yes, she would be part of it. Sophie was definitely part of it. Um, but you know, I just, I just have a very, very small, tight circle. I mean, I'm really, really outgoing and everything and I love people and I love talking to people, but the people that I really, really trust are just, you know, like I said, the people that I've known for 25 to 35 years. That makes sense. And what about Juliet Angus? Did you guys ever get along? Uh, or? Well, I mean, on the show, obviously, we didn't get along. Right. At all. Very much, you know, all about Caroline. I mean, I, you know, everything was about Caroline. And mm-hmm. I was like, so, um, but I've got, you know, I, I still, you know, if I see her, it's absolutely great, you know. I haven't seen her for ages. I think the last time I saw her, we went to, um, oh, not Britain's Got Talent. The other one was uh, Simon Cowell. We went to the live thing of that. Um, and um, that was, you know, and it was so much fun. So I've got nothing against her. I think it was just the whole Caroline thing. Like it was just, it was too much. It was way too much. Right. You know, uh, it was like, I, yeah, I mean, it was like, honestly, having some sort of bodyguard. Um, yeah. And I just, I didn't really, I didn't respect that. In fact, I found it really, really odd. I think a lot of viewers did. I mean, that was her criticism that she was up Caroline's ass all the time. Oh, I mean, you know, you know come at me and I would never, I mean, I was so shocked as well about that. I mean, literally... Anyway, I mean, yeah, but but Juliet's, you know, a good person. Every, you know, all of the girls, of course, I, you know, love them. I mean, they all have those amazing qualities. I will never say a bad word about any of them. I'm not that kind of person, you know. And, you know, they've all gone on to do really amazing, successful things, and I'm so happy for them. You know, we just live in different worlds. That makes sense. I mean, it's been a while since the show. Yes. Now, on the show, right, I think, you know, like you said, you were very open and honest about some things that were going on, and you are very yeah. open and honest. When we were chatting, you're like, I'm an open book, yes. which, I, which I appreciate. I mean, I'm the same way. I, I get it. Like, look, just yeah. be honest about it all, right? Like, that's yeah. what we're here for. So, yeah. you now you were very open and honest on the show about, like, your children and the fact that you lost your children Yeah. at that yeah. point. So that must have been hard. You know, I guess you got a divorce. And your husband uh, ended up winning custody. Yeah. Is that what happened, or no? He never won custody. We still have um, joint custody of the children, but there's a thing called parental alienation, and it's only really come to England. Still, it's not. I think it's much more. Um, people are more aware of it in America. Um, so he'd always. You know, 
when when we when I first left him, you know, it was like twenty years ago or nineteen years ago. Um, he said, "I'm going to punish you the way he, you punished me." I mean, he used to say to me, "Now, David, I don't. I mean, this is just not right." He used to say to me, "You are my drug. I am obsessed by you." He never said to me, "I love the way you smell. I love the way you laugh. I love, you know, the way you cook. I love the way, you know, nothing like that." I mean, he always said, "You're so caring. You're so caring. You're so caring." About you know, when I was looking after the kids. And he was literally obsessed. And everybody has always said the way that he's punished you is because he he was he's still in love with you. You know, I mean, maybe not still in love with me now, but I mean, but he there is no way someone could do that to anybody unless you know they're they're just out to. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I think that I damaged his ego. He, um, you know, he thought he was, you know, very sort of like prominent in, in London. And, um, you know, his friends were well known or whatever. And I just, I, you know, I didn't buy into it. I don't want someone to be obsessed by me. I want someone to love me for me, you know. And yeah. he wouldn't do anything without me. I mean, he would just literally... You know, he would be glued to, he wouldn't go out for dinner without me. He wouldn't, you know, and it was almost like, and he, and he just didn't, I, and also he only had four topics of conversation and that was cars, celebrities, his um, golf club, hotel, and also um, uh, money. And I just didn't, I, that's just not me, you know. And I mean, it was just, it was really, really hard. And, and, I just, I couldn't go through that. It was just too, everything was just black and white. There was no gray. And I live in a gray. I mean, I live in that world, like where I understand both sides. But to be told every day you're my drug was just, it's just horrendous. Yeah, that's it's, hard. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I think I, you know, I feel bad about the fact that I broke his heart. I feel bad about, I mean, I feel horrendous about, you know, what's happened, you know, afterwards. And obviously, you know, then me spiraling out of control because I just couldn't take the pain. Um, you know, I was, a, you know, I've always been an addict since I was four years old, apparently. Um, I said to my aunt, if I can't have all the cookies, I don't, if I can't have all the cookies, I don't want one. So, you know, it was, it was always in me. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, you know, that form of escapism, you know, I, I, you know, I look for it in, in anything and everything, you know, I just couldn't take it. And the way, so after we got, um, after we separated, he basically didn't see the children hardly for three years and he lived next door to us because his lawyers had oh, said wow. to them, put the entire burden on her so that she, you know, and he only gave us like 150 quid a week. And he, he would say, like, he froze all our bank accounts. We just bought a house together, so I had to go home and live at home. Um, he sold the house. So I was left homeless with the kids. Um, so I had to go back to my parents' house. Um, and for three years, he just didn't do, I mean, nothing. And, you know, we'd go, I'd have to, I'd be called into the school with him. You know, my son was really struggling. And I said, yeah, because his father never sees him. You've got to own up to it. He never calls him, never, you know, does anything. He'd never turn up to matches, nothing. Anyway, in that time, I had a really successful business. Um, which is Nine London, doing maternity right. wear, first person to do maternity wear. And so, you know, I was making 
you know, a really good salary. And, um, and I didn't need him, really. I could afford everything on my own. And I think he really resented the fact that, you know, I also, you know, was never really alone. I, you know, I always had somebody, you know, by my side. Um, and, you know, so he, I think what he tried to do, he wanted to destroy, destroy me by, you know, cutting off all the money, but that never worked. So then his next plan was the children. And, um, but he put me through hell for six years with our divorce and he ruined my reputation around London because at that time nobody was getting divorced. And I, I literally was blackened. I mean, my name was blackened around London. No one was getting divorced. And since then, every single person that turned against me has got divorced. I mean, you know, when I was, I must've been about 20, oh no, I was 30 when I got divorced. And at that time, nobody, no, it was just unheard of. Right, now, it wasn't common like today. No, 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 no. I mean, so it, it was hell and it, and it absolutely killed me. So then he started using children against me and he, it just, just gradually just more and more and more. And I would just feel sick every single day. And when I'd go and pick them up from school, it was a, you know, one and a half hour drive there. This was just for like two hours to see them. And then one and, and I used to just cry my eyes out on the way home every single time. And I'd be doing that journey up to three times a week, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. So. And know. so then he eventually got the children no, to live with him. Yeah. So um, the children, basically, what happened was I went into, um, we finally settled out of, well, we settled on something. He said, okay, and we were meant to be going to court in the September. And that July or August, he said, okay, listen, um, you know, finally, after six years of hell, he said to me, okay, let, you know, let's just settle on this and we'll, and we'll do the finances and we'll confirm it in court in September. So I literally clapped, I had a nervous breakdown. I had an absolute nervous breakdown and then checked into the Priory because I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I, I just, I six years of hell and then suddenly it was like, so I checked into the Priory and I was meant to be coming out in September for that court date. Anyway, they wouldn't let me out. The Priory would not let me out. So my parents were going there basically um, on my behalf and I remember calling my son from the Priory and I go, hi darling, what are you doing? And he goes, mommy, daddy doesn't want me to tell you, but I'm looking at a new school. I, I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I, it was in the countryside. It wasn't in London. It wasn't the school he was in in London. And instead I went, oh, darling, do you like it? How is it? You know, oh, mom, yeah, I really like it. And I just, I screamed after the, after the phone call, I collapsed and screamed because he took them out of their schools in London and put them in schools in the countryside, you know, an hour and a half away from me without telling me. And I couldn't get a court date for a year afterwards to try and fight for them to get them back. They wouldn't give me a court date. And by the time that year came by, um, they wouldn't let them move out of the schools because um, they were settled in them. So right. that's when it all began. But um, yeah, he did that. Totally and then they just stayed in those schools. That's kind of they where stayed things in stayed. Down at, yeah, in the country, an hour and a half away. And, you know, it didn't matter what I, I mean, I, everything. There is nothing that I didn't do that, you know, all my family did, or my friends. And, you know, it's not just me that doesn't see my children. None of my family have, you know, 
none of my best friends who they grew up with have, you know, their godparents and stuff. It, you know, it's been hell on all of us. It's not just me and, you know, my poor parents, they just, you know, they were so close to them and yet this man is just poisoned, you know, and he, and he keeps promising. Oh yeah, you can see them now. You can see, you know, like yeah, in the summer when they've done their exams, blah, blah, blah. and they kept leading all, not me, because he would never let me see them, but all my family and all my friends on. And then last minute, just take it away like that. So not one of us have seen them in six years. Wow. And they're still under 18 now? No, my son's oh. 20. My oh, wow. You know, every birthday, every Christmas, I mean, I just, I, you know, I just become a total wreck. But, you know, I've got to get on with my life now. It's been six years and I have to, you know, I have fought really hard in the last, you know, because it, four years was, four and a half years, five years was really tough. I mean, it was really tough. You know, there is a grieving period, I realized, because I've been to therapy about it. And there is a grieving period of five years and it's like grieving. I mean, I was just, you know, it was debilitating. And then, you know, I think in the last year, it's like, as long as they're happy, you know, healthy, you know, they've had a good education, they go on, you know, I, I, have, to, I have to now live and be me. And, you know, and, that's, and that was also why I didn't want to get into relationships. I just wanted to know who I was and, you know, what I was about. And, you know, as long as I can lay my head on my pillow at night and know that I am, you know, being the best person I can be that day, that is, that's all I can do, you know. And, and you know, like, to never say never, you know, now that your son is 20, like, you never know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, there's, I know they're still really under the thumb and I know that they were so conflicted about everything and I know they knew, you know, just the last time I saw my son, he said, I don't know why daddy does this to mommy. I don't know why. And then, you know, I, listen, it is, it is what it is, you know, I, but like I said, you know, I just want to move on. I've got a lot of energy now. I, you know, I've got kind of my zest for life back. Um, I, I mean, my dream, so I went to Arkansas, right, two years ago to see a friend of mine who is shooting a movie. And um, I fell in love with the place, right? I absolutely fell in love with the fact that it was just so casual, but everybody, it was just about people. There was no material stuff. There was no, it was literally just about just people connecting and they were so welcoming and they were so gorgeous. And it was just, it was just so pure and so raw. And it was, I just felt such a connection with it. So in my heart, I am dreaming of going to move to Nashville. I mean, I would love to, I'm going to bag me a cowboy. <laughs> you can I'm come anytime you want. If, if Adela King, Ladies of London, would like to move to Arkansas. No, Nashville. I want to oh, Nashville. Nashville. Well, yeah. that's even Nashville. better. I am obsessed by moving to Nashville. I am, I am literally getting the steps and now literally the cowboy boots and the Daisy Dukes and that is where I want to go. And, um, yeah, I just, I've just got this thing. I just got this, 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 this thing in my wow. head. That is what I want to do next. You know, it's a great city. <laughs> and you know, there's, there's a, there is a lot going on there. I mean, you know, the whole country music, like there's a lot of people that just settle there. No, I mean, I, and I love country music and I just, I, it's, it's just, I just love the kind of like, just 
it's just you know it's it's buzzy it's it's full of energy yeah um i think it's kind of like very um i don't know there's just a lot of opportunities there and i think i'd have a lot of fun i am all about this move i mean not that london is that far from new york but nashville's even closer so i am all about this move you yeah, can come to new york exactly. that would yeah. be amazing and then I mean, you know, also, I know you were, you've been very open and honest, you know, A, about, you know, like your substance abuse yeah, and like, you know, your, de- which is all probably related, like also to your kids, like your depression and then how, yeah. like, you also like try to take your own life. Yes. So talk yes, to us is. about that. I mean, I guess yeah. you locked yourself in a bathroom and just took all the pills, right? Yes. I took every single pill I had in the house. You know, it came to the point where I was so I was in so much pain I did not know where to channel it I had no idea what to do with it and thing is the rehabs in England they say to you it's your fault everything's your fault you must own it you know you're a terrible person you know you are this you are that look how much you've hurt your family look how much you've hurt your friends look how much you've hurt everyone you've destroyed everything in your path you know so I literally I, I was at the end, right? I was absolutely at the end of it. I was, I was like, there's just nothing. There's nothing I can do to this man that, that will, that will ever change him. And I just, I was so heartbroken. And people don't understand. I think it's very, very selfish. But in my mind, there was no other way to get rid of the pain. I wanted the, I wanted the voices to stop. I wanted the darkness to go away. I wanted. I wanted to be free. I just wanted to be in peace and just, you know, I thought life without my children was there is no, there's no point in living. I mean, what mother doesn't, doesn't, wouldn't feel that. It's like, right. and I could never see a way out because he blocked me on absolutely everything. My everything hurt every single day. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to do anything. And you know, I was in a very, very toxic relationship at the time, you know, um, but it was actually my husband at the time that, um, you know, broke the door down and then um, called the ambulances. And then I had two seizures in the ambulances and then they had to resuscitate. me. But, and then when I woke up, I remember thinking, damn, I can't believe it didn't work. You know, and... Yeah, it just, it, like I say, I don't know any mother that could have their children ripped from them for like no reason other than they have hurt their father and their father hates you more than they love their children because this, this, this is, you know, look, I'm not perfect, right? I've never been perfect and I never say that, but I love my children and I love them with all my heart. And, you know, and a lot of people do do say that to me all the time. This is just, it's so unjust. It's like, this is, I've got six godchildren I see. You know, I'm surrounded by kids. It's like all my friends have kids I love, you know, and it's just, it's just, I do. I love children. I have an amazing connection with them. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, so of course I try to take my life. It sounds awful, but, you know, there was no, there was no place for me on this planet. You know, it was like, I wasn't doing a school run. I didn't know what to do with myself. 
you know, every song that came on the radio reminded me of them. Every, every TV show reminded me of them. You know, walking into Harrods, like, um, kids' department to buy a present for some, you know, somebody else's child. It killed me. It wrenched me apart. Every restaurant we went to, seeing mothers walking down the street with their children, absolutely destroyed me. I mean, the pain was unbearable. I literally felt like I was just being punched in the stomach every single time. I didn't know what to do, how to get rid of it. Like, it was just haunting me. Everything was haunting me, you know. And I just, it just, it just, it just tore my soul apart. I mean, I literally just, I felt like I just, and it wasn't easy, even if I could just be numb, I wasn't numb. I was just ravaged with pain, ravaged. And to wake up and the first thing that goes through your mind is too bad it didn't work. Like that's gotta be hard. As opposed to, okay, I'm here, you know, and thank God that was rash. But, you know, I mean, to think like, oh, I wish it worked. Well, because nothing was going to change, you know. There was, you know, nothing, nothing. I knew this man, he is, you know, you know, and I knew it was never going to change, you know. And the pain was just, it was just, it was just, I don't know, you know, you just, it's impossible to be able to suffer like that on a, on a daily basis, you know, when, you know, just, it's, 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 when it's just a constant reminder that you're not a mother, you're not doing, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see them in their shows at like end of, you know, term things, you're not talking to their teachers. And he blocked me from that. Even when I was allowed to see them, he would tell me I wasn't allowed to go to the end of term things. He would never go to the same, you know, the matches, um, if I, if I was going or whatever, but usually he would block me or he wouldn't tell me anything about what was going on in their lives. There was no communication. So, you know, my daughter broke her arm. He never told me. She just came home with a cast one day. I mean, it's just, you know, and then he'd like, anyway, listen, I'm not going to, you know, it's just been, that's, that's the, it was just very, 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 painful the whole time so yeah I did wake up and think oh god here we go again you know um and it still wasn't easy after that I still felt the same pain you know yeah but then you you eventually you know you went to rehab again and like got clean and turned it all around yeah I was told that the only place that would save me was Cottonwood in Arizona and um it was so unbelievable. They are 20 to 30 years, America is 20 to 30 years ahead of us in the whole like rehabilitation system and addiction. And what they said to me was every single feeling you have is valid and you are in so much pain that you want to escape, you know. And I had never been told that before. I'd never been told I was in so much pain that I wanted to escape. I didn't know, I didn't, that sounds stupid now, but at the time, it just wasn't, it wasn't, we were never told that in, in, in rehab, we were in England. We were told, it's your fault, you're a horrendous person. You know, they would just come and just break you down. And of course you're going to go out and relapse again because you still hold that shame. Whereas in Arizona, they do everything to say, you know, we understand you. We understand what you're going through. And every single thought that goes through your head, whatever it is, is valid. And we are here to acknowledge that and to help you get through to the other end. And it was brutal. 
I mean, brutal. It wasn't like the England ones. You know, you can just like have your TV on. I mean, I used to run the place. I mean, you know, make your phone call, have your phone on you. Um, in Arizona, you couldn't have any of that. Like everything was taken away. Newspapers, you know, like, I mean, you think we could only have like music, but your doors were locked so you couldn't go into your room. I mean, you were just forced to, um, you know, you were forced to deal with your feelings. And oh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was brutal, but amazing at the same time. And you know what? I really, really have met some amazing people on my journey in, in those, you know, in the rehabs. And um, I'll always be grateful for that. You know, so many different walks of life and we're all just one. That's good. You know, and <laughs> no, I mean, that's, you know, I think it's hard. Like I couldn't, you know, I mean, it's hard to just go through rehab, I would think. Yeah, come I mean, out the other side. Yeah, I mean, it is you're torn apart from you know everything, and you and to face up to your fears and your and your pain, you know, with nothing. But you, you know, you have the support. But I mean, the ones in England never helped, never did anything. You know, Arizona, you know, yeah. Now we can put this to bed finally because I know you've talked yeah. about it many times. But quickly, just humor me. And tell yeah. me about this past with Jeffrey Epstein. And we can say you want to announce that you put this to bed and you won't talk about this anymore. Well, I have only talked about it once. On I just wrote about it on Instagram and it got picked up by a lot of the press. And then since then, I've had obviously a lot of reporters. Um, they want me to do documentaries, like interviews and everything. But in my mind, I wrote what had happened and I was very lucky to get away so basically the story is it's not the story but um, I was in my very I think I was about 20 and I was at a really kind of like beautiful drinks party at this very beautiful place called Zion Park and this woman comes up to me and she said oh you're a model and I said yes because at the time I was modeling I was 20 and she said um well I'd really like you to come for a casting for a Victoria's Secret campaign. I mean, I was like, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? I was like, hell yeah. Seriously. So, and she goes, you know, my name is Ghislaine Maxwell. She gave me a card, whatever. And she goes, listen, I, um, I'd like you to be at Claridge's, Field Hotel, um, tomorrow night at 8 p.m. for the casting. Um, ask for Jeff, Mr. Jeffrey Epstein, and they will send you up in, you know, the lift or suite, whatever. So the next night I went along to um, the Claridge's and there I was told where, you know, which floor to go on. Now, as I was walking down the corridor to Jeffrey's suite, right, two girls, women, fell out laughing. So already then I knew that this was something, something not right, you know, and obviously that became very, very apparent afterwards. And I'm pretty, almost 100% one was um, Ghislaine. I mean, of course it was. So two girls fell out laughing and they sort of ran off down the other corner. Anyways, I went there and it was all kind of like, you know, he let me in and he kind of sat on his sofa and it was very dark in there. And a bit being, you know, the lights were really dim. I gave him my portfolio. He kind of looked through that. And then he, he said, okay, go and stand over there and take the top off, right? And so I thought, well, I mean, okay. So it's a BS casting. And then he said, and bend forward and push your breasts together. And I was like, don't push them together. So anyway, I did that. And um, I mean, it was very, very brief. And so he said, 
and then I and then he was like just sort of like staring at me. So I was like, okay, not really sure what's happening here. Um, it was very uncomfortable. The whole thing. It was just kind of like it was very. It just wasn't. It just didn't feel right. The whole thing. So anyway, I kind of like thought. Well, I had a dinner. Luckily, at Annabelle's. So I literally said, you know, I've got a dinner, and I kind of like you know got got out of that. So anyway, two nights later. I met a really like this huge kind of like social light, um, this guy, and he's hosting his birthday dinner and he's taken over the whole restaurant, but it's like one big table. So it's a private party, private dinner. And um, there's about 20, 30 people in there, all at this table. And so I'm sitting there in between my friends and Ghislaine walks in and she sits next to the host. And she took one look at me and she was, absolutely mortified she couldn't believe that I ran the same circles as her she had like absolutely she literally couldn't she once she saw me there she couldn't look at me she was literally mortified so I said to my friends I said you know to these like my friends next to me I said oh my god that's the woman that um sent me along for the VS casting the other night and they said Adela are you crazy she she sent you along to cast you for a threesome and I was like what are you joking? And um, and so, you know, I never heard from them again, thank God, until 10 years later, I saw in the newspaper that um, Epstein was this, you know, I was like, oh my God, that's the guy. That's the guy. So, you know, the, the reason why, I mean, like, I was very fortunate, nothing, you know, nothing happened to me, but it was just that, that is the experience I had and that is what Ghislaine did. She came up and she, you know, she recruited me to go and, be interviewed for a threesome i think that was at the time what they were after i don't know you know wow but, um yeah so anyway i there's nothing else to say about it um you know i feel incredibly sorry for what's happened to everybody else it's just disgusting i mean it's yeah. absolutely disgusting and you know to be honest with you i'm disgusted with galen as well it's just like yeah i mean for her to have that in her that she would actually go and do that just to please a man. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy. Yeah. And then we'll we'll end on a happy note. But just one more question: Did you did you know? Like, were you close with Annabella Nielsen from Ladies in London? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. But you know, weirdly enough, um, our, during filming, I was sitting in a nail salon, and she was sitting next to me, and we got chatting, and you know, we actually just became kind of like we kind of like talked a lot after that but I didn't know her very well and we you know but nonetheless you know she was she was iconic in London you know you know before the show she was iconic and it, uh, I mean there's just no words I mean it's just like it was absolutely tragic and I think just everyone felt it so it was just another darkness that just laid over us, you know? Yeah, like to have a heart attack that young. It just, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know even just last year, you know, I lost two of my friends to a heart attack, you know, young. One my age and one, you know, younger than me. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just really difficult to kind of process it, isn't it, you know? Kind of. This is why, to your point, like, you know, you bring the fun on Instagram every day and in your life, it's just like, life is so precious, you know? 
yes exactly i mean that's that's exactly why you know i do it it's just like i mean anything that just comes into my head i'm just like you know spread it and you know a lot of people do you know they thank me so much for it and and that is really special you know because obviously it is difficult to know what to do in these times but like i say i can only get through life with humor and me too you know what are your plans for the rest of quarantine and what are you going to do as soon as quarantine is over as soon as quarantine is over oh god but i want to go and see my family i miss my family um especially you know like my parents and my brother and my sister but um no what am i gonna do i am i well you know i'm gonna get straight back to work obviously um i have been working obviously steadily through this um I think life is going to change a lot for us all, though. It's not going to go back to normal. I mean, like they say, there's going to be no restaurants open or pubs maybe till 2021. Right. You know, we'll still be walking. It's going to be very, very constricted. So I have to work within those limits of what I can do. And if I can even see my parents, because I've had the corona, and it lives in you for up to 40 days or something. I mean, I don't know. Mm. And no one seems to know. But readjusting to life after this is going to be... It's, it's, I think we just have to take it a day at a time, like everything else. It's like, you know, I can't say, woohoo, I want to get on a plane and go to Nashville because that's what I really want to do. <laughs> well, if you do that, guess what? I, I will meet you in Nashville. Not that yes. I can't come to London, but if you come to Nashville. But my plan is when we can travel again. I mean, I travel a lot for work and yeah. I'm going to be traveling. You know what I mean? As soon as we can. Oh, I'm, you know, I, you should be. We usually go for like seven weeks every year um to florida as a family because america is really you know it's very very it's very very dear to my family and myself so 19 of us go out there and we all take houses out there for like seven weeks and um my parents usually go out there beforehand and they had to fly back early because obviously all the um airports were closing down but otherwise we'd be there (laughs) in america I, well, you know, you definitely have to keep me posted if you come anywhere in America. I will meet you. Oh, my God. Yes, baby. Get your we chaps can, on. You're coming. We can have a dinner. We can do whatever you want to do. I love that. But I if not, that. I'll eventually come to London. Yes. Yes. So, is there yes. anything else you want us to know? Like, do we cover? Like, what do you feel like we haven't covered before we wrap up? I think we covered quite a lot. Um, but no, I just want to say that, um, I love you all, you know, everybody that's listening. I absolutely cherish every single one of you and hope that this time is really, you know, especially for, you know, any alcoholics or any addicts that, you know, that are struggling out there or people with depression or anything, you know, any other kind of mental illness, my heart goes out to you and please, please reach out for help. You know, there is so much help out there. We're all human. We all go through it. There's no shame in it. But please, please, please reach out for help. And I send you so much love and healing and happiness. And if you want to listen to me on my stupid Insta stories to try and get a giggle, then do. Otherwise, it would be like the plague and unfollow me. (laughs) And where can we find you on Instagram? Adela King London. And everyone needs to follow. Your stories are amazing. And you and I will keep DMing because I like DMing. I love you. It's been so amazing talking to you, honey. I I love you. Definitely let's DM. I really appreciate you coming on. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I mean, I'm sorry it was a pretty crazy interview, but you know, this lockdown, I mean, there's no filter. You weren't. You were amazing. I, <laughs> You and I could do it again on like Instagram on our own time. We'll do like an Instagram live together. Love to, darling. I'm down. I'm down. We'll set it up. Everyone, love. Adela King, who we love, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.